What was it about ancient languages that allowed the earliest peoples on Earth to communicate with angels, according to Swedenborg? We explore the power of words and the nature of God right now in the NCE Spotlight, your home for fresh insights from the ongoing translation of the New Century edition of Swedenborg's Theological Works. Hey, Jonathan, thanks so much for having us this week again. Oh, hey, come on in. Don't mind if we do. Yes, and here we are on the East Coast. It's springtime, flowers are blossoming. So I just look forward to seeing what what flowers in the, the garden of Swedenborg's theology you've come across lately. Nice tie-in. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, last time, if memory serves, we talked about ancients versus moderns and the thought that Swedenborg found in the spiritual world that the ancients had a more sophisticated and deeper wisdom and that actually went downhill over time. Mm -hmm. And I found some more passages along those lines. (laughs) Great. Um, Let's just pile on here. Let's pile on. Let's pile on. In 3482... And again, Swedenborg is the main job that he's doing in Secrets of Heaven. This is in volume four, is he's talking about the inner meaning of scripture and the language that it's in. And the what he's learning from the ancients seems very related to his understanding of what's going on in there. Mm -hmm. So he says, although the language of scripture seems to us so plain spoken and sometimes unpolished, it is the angelic language itself in its outermost form. Hmm. When angelic language, which is spiritual, descends into human words, this is the only kind of diction in which it can express itself, because all of its content represents something, and every word symbolizes something. The ancients had no other language interacting as they did with spirits and angels. Wow. It was full of representation, and every element of it held spiritual meaning. Their books were written in the same language, because to speak and write this way was the pursuit of their wisdom. Hmm. They talked like that? I know. I was thinking, like, how would you do that? Get through a day where you're only allowed to talk in things that are, like, fully <laughs> correspondential. Yeah. I must cross over the river to the land of salt, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And when you look at the, the ancient works that survive, the various different epics and and Homer and, and so on, um, it, it explains something to me to think of those as being written in that same kind of language. This is not about Achilles as a person. Achilles represents something, and, and this war yeah. represents something, and that was the way that their wisdom worked. Yeah. And it's funny that over time it's just turned in our minds to sort of, oh, that's mythology. You know, it's weird but we, we, we're missing the main point of what was going on in those stories. You know, he says books. And of course, I feel like, well, books are sort of more recent history in the grand scheme of things uh, because you had 
oral, you know, predominantly oral knowledge sharing going back centuries and centuries and thousands and thousands of years. And, but it does make me think of like ancient cave drawings and that it does seem like there's these pictorials that are, you know, animals or, and different particular kinds and they sort of are in a sequence or what's that all about? And, you know, so even just sort of ancient forms of, uh, right. Writing seem to have that sort of a quality to them that obviously then yeah is going down through time it's amazing amazing to think about you'd have to just be so careful with your language i think it's wild right he says it was a pursuit of their wisdom was to do that so that was the what i take that to mean is that was really the the focus of their societal capital once they had enough to eat what they were putting their resources towards was perfecting this way of thinking and speaking that this was a really central mm. to what they thought was important in life. Yeah. And the benefit is huge of connecting with heaven, getting that guidance, wisdom, understanding. Definitely. And knowledge about eternal things uh, and what we're doing here on the planet and, and important things like that. I don't know how to put this in regard to this next quote, but I was kind of shocked. But there's several passages I've encountered in which Swedenborg talks about how far they would go in order to represent things back in the day or how powerful representation was back then. Mm. Mm -hmm. And here's a rather shocking example. Uh, You may remember that story in the Old Testament where there's 42 youths who come out and they jeer at the prophet Elisha. I have no idea whether Elisha was actually bald or he wasn't bald, but they kept saying to him, go on up, you bald head. You know, they're kind of insulting him or mocking him. As a result, two bears came out of the forest Mm. and mauled them, mauled 42 youths. Shocking incident. Strange. Swedenborg writes about this in 3301. Hmm. The youths who said, go on up, you bald head, go on up, you bald head, to Elisha, and were mauled by bears from the forest, represented people who blaspheme the word as a work devoid of truth. That's what bald means. No, No hair of truth on it. Elisha represented the Lord as the Word. From this, you can also see how much power representations had at that time. I'm not exactly sure what he means, but it seems like Hmm. the coming of these bears and mauling these youths was, well, that's again because of the representation. You know, even the bears, (laughs) right, uh, are following this symbolic script uh, because of mm. what what they mean. What do you make of that? I thought that was really intriguing. Yeah, is that that's what he seems to be referencing is the bears when he says that the the power of representation? Yeah, from this you can see how much power representations had at that time. And that's all he's given us to go on is this story of the the bears responding to this charge of mm. baldness. It seems like he's 
in indicating that yeah that represent representation had a lot of sway over how events played out and that whatever representation he had that stuck with him and actually affected what would happen if you interacted with him in certain ways and i guess from the way swedenborg is saying it it sounds like somehow that stuff isn't as potent anymore or doesn't happen in the same way anymore yeah or you wonder if there is that that potential that whole quality of how we're uh you know, our focus is so on this otherworldly thing that we're sort of missing a lot of maybe what's happening, you know, behind the scenes and that confuses things or something like that. But it, the only, I mean, it's weird, but it makes you wonder like, what is my life representing? You know, like what, mm. what larger story is, is my life representing or different? Like in the same way that Swedenborg says, all the stories in the word represent the Lord's journey. And so that is also the same thing as our spiritual growth that you sort of feel like, where am I in this story in that like eternal universal arc? And it's a way to like, well, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be the ones that get mauled by bears <laughs> <laughs> you know? or I don't know. It just seems like there's got to be a way that there's sort of a spiritual compass in it for us in our lives. But, but it really does make me wonder about it is that active nowadays or is that sort of a potential that that is still sort of playing out but right Swedenborg does say something about that doesn't he I don't remember who it was but a relative of mine was on their deathbed and told a loved one oh the nurses are doing their representations oh (laughs) really that somehow they, they could see that the actions of the nurses had correspondential Significance. Huh. So yeah. maybe it, maybe everything is still doing that. Maybe that's just a facet of physical life. I enjoy these conversations because when I look at something like that in the text, and then I have to move on and read the next paragraph, which will also be fun. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What did you just say? <laughs> you know. And so it's fun to be able to kick this around with you uh, because the implications are kind of amazing that he would just sort of drop that little sentence on there and then okay off to the next thing yeah and to think that yeah that there is this sensitivity happening in in all life all life forms around us is what that's suggesting we think you know we wonder is like the bears are sensitive to okay what's happening in this moment i don't know (laughs) and of course it would be bears and not lions because of this and that (laughs) right right this third passage really takes us into a deep deep topic and i think you'll see how this relates to the the other two one of the great puzzles that theologians have have um, just worn their brains out of trying to think about is that in Scripture, you both have this clear indication that Jesus was born into the world, uh, and yet, especially in the Gospel of John, but there are other hints here and there, that it said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, you know, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and then that Word became flesh, and 
the whole question of, well, who was inspiring the prophets? You know, who was this Jehovah who spoke through the prophets and 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 all that. Uh, okay. So it's a very, very deep question. So in number 3061, Swedenborg says this, The Lord has existed from eternity, as the word makes plain, although he was later born in time. After all, he spoke through Moses and the prophets and appeared to many people, and it says there that he was Jehovah. But then he explained something helpful. This deep secret, though, cannot be revealed to anyone who does not have... Can you imagine how the end of that sentence goes? It can't be revealed to anybody who doesn't have... A membership. <laughs> the premium, Swedenborg Premium Membership. <laughs> anyone who does not have divine perception. Oh, is that all? <laughs> yes. All you need is divine perception. Oh, okay. A half teaspoon. As a result, it can be revealed to hardly anyone but members of the earliest church, which was heavenly and had divine perception. And then Swedenborg reveals his sources in a very rare moment. From them, I have heard that Jehovah himself was the Lord in his divine humanity at the times when he went down into heaven and flowed through heaven. The reason he revealed himself this way is that heaven resembles an individual human being with all the body parts, which is also why it's called the universal human. Divinity itself in heaven or in the universal human was the divine human who was Jehovah himself clothed in this humanity. So why I mention that here is that what an astounding thing he had to go all the way back to the earliest people to figure out this mystery. I mean, I think that's cool. Oh, my goodness. I'm just, yeah, simmering with lots of different thoughts from this because, one, that whole idea of heaven as a human being, and I think of that phrase, uh, energy flows where attention goes, you know? So, like, just thinking of God and all of heaven being like a body and just being able to like direct his attention, you know, direct attention to different areas um, is fun to think about. And then it feels like it goes full circle because I feel like I wouldn't be able to have the thought I'm about to share if it weren't for Swedenborg. And yet it's Swedenborg combined with an understanding of uh electromagnetism that we have today <laughs> you know that Swedenborg didn't have access to I don't know if the earliest church people ancients had access to it but it's reflecting a similar truth and that's uh I recently had this um insight somebody used it's actually within a therapeutic approach called internal family systems but where you're, you're always wanting to in- orient yourself to the to the self, this idea that we have this access to compassion and, you know, wisdom inside of us, essentially. Um, And the way that this model frames, well, what is the self is, um, uses what we understand of light, that it's both a 
It can be both a particle and a wave. And so what they, how they coach people is to understand that the self is at once like an energy that you connect to, like it's that feeling of compassion or perspective and things like that. And yet it can also be like a particle where it is this like person, this part of you that you can talk to. So this like distinct individual that you could talk to. And I recently was reading about that and it just was like, well, that's exactly how you'd explain God, which I feel like is what Swedenborg is connecting into with what you're just sharing here. That it's like, in a way, God is both a particle and a wave, you know, like that energy. Mm. God is this, the wave energy of God is, you know, that activity of God that's been around forever. And yet this potential for that also to be experienced as a particle, like as this distinct individual uh, through interactions and appearing in different places. So it's just, it's amazing to think of modern science and our ability to understand how light behaves as both a particle and a wave combined with what Swedenborg learned can give us this like totally different sense of, and almost like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me about God. Like the sort of question of like, wait, how does this work? If God came into the world as a human, but also existed for all time, it's like, oh yeah, sure. No, that makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's a particle in a wave. It's, it's everything, yeah. both and. Oh, I love it. That's a great point. Like, because there's something, there's another thing that behaves like that, which we can focus our mind on to comprehend. Yeah. This, this thing of God. I think it's a lot of the ways the internet works does that for how the spiritual world works. There wasn't anything that worked like that when Swedenborg was writing, but now there's a, there's this thing that works a lot like the spiritual world does. So it's pretty handy. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like, you know, that divine perception that Swedenborg is saying is sort of required to understand that. It sort of sounds like those earliest peoples had this divine perception. Swedenborg got access to that, you know, to the results of that divine perception, I guess, you know, or has his own divine perception. And then, and then through reading that, we get to see the parallels, you know, whether or not we ourselves have divine perception, but it's like, you can, you can start to understand it uh, at least at some level. Hmm. And on that very deep concept of who God is and how God manifests and so on over eons of time, yeah. for him to go back to the earliest people who had the clearest actual, actually the clearest understanding of all this, yeah. and find out from them and then bring that forward and publish it, yeah. you know, put it into the world. And... Th so that brings forward after this long decline that he describes, then to go get that precious piece of information, bring that forward, uh, what is that going to look like in another 500, 1,000 years if yeah. people really embrace those concepts? Oh, so cool to think about, so fun to go on this, uh, to venture on this, these through the eons of time to consider these concepts with you both. I love doing it every week. Likewise. Wouldn't miss it. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Jonathan. And thanks for joining as always, Curtis. It'll be great. Let's, let's do it again next time. Let's do it. Yeah.
hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com donate. And thank you for listening.